Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let's get right into the word today. And, uh, you know, as the video was was going on and we were watching it here, as you were watching it at home, uh, you know, he was also separated. And we talk about being separated from our family. We talk about being separated from our loved ones, from our church members, from, you know, our work, not being able to make money. And, you know, he was separated from his father. He cried out and said, Abba, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because he was carrying our sin, the sins of the world on his back, that the the Father had to turn from him. And he was forsaken, and he was left alone. Then he was put into a tomb and separated and left alone. So I just pray this morning that as we hear this word and receive, that we understand that what happened to him the sacrifice, the persecution, the, the death, the burial, the whipping, the crown of thorns, all the things that he went through is so far and way above any persecution that we're receiving right now, anything that we're going through right now. Uh, you know, I was talking to somebody this morning, I believe it was either last Easter or the Easter before, I had a picture uh, on the floor here that I have in my office, and it's Jesus just laughing, and he's got a big smile on his face, and Sometimes I sit in my office and I want to complain and I want to, you know, sit there and say, I can't believe this is happening or that's happening. Or sometimes I counsel people and I want to pull my hair out. Not you, not anybody that's listening or anything. But, uh, and then I look up at the wall and I see him laughing like, are you really, are you really going through something? Are you, are you really suffering? Are you really, you know, and it's all about perspective. It really is. And, and. That's when I laugh along with him, and I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you did that for us, that we wouldn't have to suffer that, you know, horrendous death and, and going to the cross. And, you know, what we go through, we go through. And, you know, thank God I get to go home, and there's air conditioning, electricity. There's, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, there's food in the refrigerator. You know, it's uh, I, my lounge, my, my, you know, my little chair is going to be there where I can sit in and, and, uh, you know, we, got, we really have nothing to complain about. We're so blessed. So today's message is liar, lunatic, or Lord. Oh, wow. So we want to answer these questions. Is he, was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or was he Lord? See, the Easter message is the foundation for everything we do and believe. Yes. See, if this didn't happen, if he didn't die and resurrect three days later, we wouldn't be here today. This message, this Bible, these words written on these pages would no longer be true. Even if what happened up to this point actually happened and was truth, if this would not have happened and he would have lied, just one lie, just one little thing would have happened that wasn't according to the prophetic word of God. Just one thing, it would have made the rest of it untrue. Even if it actually did happen, it would have made the rest of it untrue. Today we celebrate the most important fact in all of history. It is a fact, by the way. The resurrection of Jesus, our Lord, and our Savior. His single event, this single event, removes all doubt. It removes all doubt 
of who he is and makes all of his promises yes and amen, right? Because of what happened on a day like this, everything that's written in here, every promise, every part of this covenant is true in our lives. We have become the heirs of his promises. Everything he said before this day, although true, could have been wiped out by just one white lie, as we would like to say. His resurrection removes all doubt about him being the Messiah. But see, today, our world is filled with people who don't believe. Our world is filled with people who don't believe that he was the actual Messiah. They don't believe in a God. They don't believe in a creator. Some still say that Jesus was a good moral man or a prophet that said a lot of profound things. If this were true, when Jesus would uh, also be a liar and a lunatic? He would have to be. Because in the midst of all these profound things and him being a good man, he proclaimed himself to be God. So if you're saying that he's just a good man, a moral man, a prophet, you know, of old, and that same guy said that he was God. So he couldn't be this moral man that you're saying he is or this this prophet that said all these profound things. He couldn't be that guy. Because somewhere along the line, he said that he was God and one with God. See, before, so the first question is, was he a liar? Before his death and resurrection, Jesus said and did many, many things. He claimed to be the Son of God. In another occasion, he claimed to be one with God. In John chapter 10, verses 27 through 33, it reads, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Those are pretty bold statements. I give them them eternal life. Sounds more more than just a prophet to me. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. 29. My Father, who has given them to me, he owns us? This prophet, this moral man, this, this guy that could, uh, could be a, a liar? My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Verse 30. I and the father are one. That's pretty profound. But it is also true. Again, His Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of these do you stone me? Listen, it wasn't, Jesus wasn't stoned for what he did. He was stoned and crucified. He wasn't stoned, crucified, put a crown on. He wasn't whipped for what he did. He was suffered for who he was. That's never happened. You don't go to a courtroom and they say, who are you? Oh, I'm Rick Carrillo. Well, you're going to jail just for being Rick Carrillo. That doesn't happen. You, there's nothing else. Now, if I committed a crime and there's evidence of something that I did that was against the law, then they can, they can, they can uh, put me in jail for that. But see, he wasn't being even uh, stoned for, for what he did. He was being stoned for who he was. 33, we are not stoning you for any good work, they replied. They even called it good work. 
They could not deny that what he was doing was good. They replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. See, he called God his father. He called him and the father one. He forgave sin. He caused the blind to see. He caused the lame to walk. He healed all kinds of infirmities. He delivered the oppressed. He cast out demons. He fed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. He raised the dead. He walked on water. He spoke to the winds and calmed the storm. Who was this man? A prophet. A good moral man. Even the prophets didn't do these things. See, if he was a liar, he was also a hypocrite. Because he told others to be honest, whatever the cost. Tell the truth. While he himself was living a colossal lie. If he was a liar. If he was a liar, then he would have to have been a lunatic. Who in their right mind would die the death of the cross for the sake of a lie? He'd have, to, he'd have to be nuts, right? Who would go to the grave instead of telling the truth other than a lunatic? See, in order for Jesus to be a lunatic, he would have also have to be deranged and delusional. And the words written in this book prove that he was not. The Sermon on the Mount alone proves that he was not a lunatic, he was not deranged, and he was not delusional. Even the, the scientists and the, those that professed themselves to be wise knew who Jesus was and knew that he was not these things. I'm going to read a portion written, uh, 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 a little uh, thing written in a book by psychiatrist J.T. Fisher. And uh, they were, him and a couple other psychiatrists and psychologists are trying to prove that Jesus was a liar and a lunatic. He was delusional. And this is what they came up with. At least they're able to tell the truth. This is what they came up with. If you were to take the sum total of all authoritative articles ever written by the most qualified of psychologists and psychiatrists on the subject of mental hygiene, if you were to combine them and refine them and take out all the excess verbiage, if you were to take the whole of the meat and have these unadulterated bits of pure scientific knowledge concisely expressed by the most capable of living poets, you would have an awkward and incomplete summation of what is the Sermon on the Mount. These are by men, non-Christian men, that sat down and tried to prove out of the Bible that what was taught by this man, prophet, more, that it was, it was craziness. And they could not do it. They came up with the fact that just the Sermon on the Mount, just that portion, those four chapters, uh, uh, five, five, six, seven, three chapters, right, in the Bible that he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, just those three chapters alone proved that he was not a lunatic, that he was not crazy, that he was not deranged, but he was actually the Son of God. For no man 
could say these things and change the lives of all those who heard him. No man could preach a word like that and say the things that he said and cause people's lives to change from one moment to the next. Not even these psychiatrists and psychologists that actually help people through their moments of time actually deliver them from their turmoil, deliver them from their darkness. They can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus, resurrected Jesus, the Son of God, the one that was one with God, only He can deliver us from that darkness, from the oppression, from depression, from anxiety. Only He can do that. Only He can do that. How could we call this man a liar, a lunatic, deranged, if He is the one that brings the truth and through that truth delivers us from all of our sin, of all of our infirmities, of all the things that torment us in this world. Only he can do that. This level of teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, this level of teaching and preaching which transforms lives could not be expressed by a lunatic. Our faith in all that we believe hung on the need for him to resurrect on the first Easter morning. So he's not a liar. He's not a lunatic. There's only one left. He must be Lord. Right? He is Lord. We're going to read Matthew 27. uh, And bear with me. Uh, I want to read the entire story. You know me. I don't like to pull scriptures out. I like to read things in context. So we're going to read uh, Matthew 27, verses 50 through 66. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. They hung this prophet, this moral man, on the cross, and look at what happened. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, these are the men that were guarding him. These are the men that crucified him, that whipped him, that tormented him, that made him suffer, put him in a grave, rolled that stone in front of him, and now this is what they're saying after he resurrected about this moral prophet man that people say he is. Truly, not just he is, but truly, this was the Son of God. <laughs> they, they, couldn't, they couldn't just say he... They, They couldn't just say he is, but they had to say he was. Because if not, they would be confessing that he became, but not that he was always. See, they're confessing that they crucified, they whipped, and they put a crown of thorns, and they beat him, they made him carry his own cross. They put him up there, they stuck him. They they had to claim that this was something he already was, that they took the Son of God and did this to him. Not that after they did this to him, because then they could take the credit for him becoming the son of God. He was, not he is, he was. Truly, this was the son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there, looking from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother mother of Zebedee's sons. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea. 
named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. 58. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. Then when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen clothes and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hone, hewn hone, out of rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Why would they hand this guy over? They knew that he had proclaimed something and said something. But listen, they had just experienced something. They hung this man on the cross. A veil was ripped from top to bottom, right? The earth quaked. Darkness came upon the land. And dead people got out of their graves and walked around the city. What more? You can have the body. You can have Jesus. I mean, at this point, who cares, right? At this point, it's like, he must be that guy. Take him, please. 61. And Mary Magdalene was there. And the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate saying, Sir, we remember. We're going to do that today. We remember while he was still alive. How that deceiver said. I mean, these were, these were cabeciduro. I mean, these were... These were hard-headed people. Cabeza coco. They were like, man, coconut heads is what we say in Spanish. Their, their head was so hard. It was like, come on, did you not experience what just happened? The deceiver. After three days I will rise, he said. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Liar? I don't think so. 65, Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Let me explain to you what happened here this day. Because we read this and, and we don't really understand all the, the process that went into this. The body of Jesus, in, accordin, in accordance to uh, Jewish burial customs, was wrapped in linen cloth. About a hundred pounds of aromatic spices mixed together to form a gummy paste. These, this paste was applied to the wrappings of the cloth around his body. After the body was placed in a solid rock tomb, an extremely large stone weighing approximately four thousand pounds was rolled by means of levers against the entrance it wasn't placed there it was rolled they would make this stone and lay it on top of a ramp and the ramp would have a little wall in the front and the stone would sit behind it and when it was time they would lever it push it forward so that it would roll in front of the hole that was the tomb Imagine trying to roll that back up the hill or back up that little ramp that was there. There was no way that men can do that. A Roman guard of strictly disciplined men was stationed to guard the tomb. Fear of punishment, listen to this, produced flawless attention to duty, especially in the night watches. A Roman seal was put upon the tomb so to protect it from the vandals that could come and steal the body. If that seal was broken by anyone, they would be crucified upside down. That was the punishment for breaking that seal. 
If anyone broke the seal, the punishment was to be crucified upside down until they died. If any of the guards fell asleep or left their post, the punishment was to be put to death immediately. No trial, no nothing. He, the, the, the tomb was open, death. The 4,000 pound stone was not just rolled away. The word says that it was moved. <laughs> As if a crane came and picked it up and moved it. But we understand that John Deere didn't exist, exist back then, right? As many as 500 people saw Jesus at one time after his resurrection. Many of the people were still alive to confirm Paul's writings after Jesus is ascended. Our faith is secure in the fact that Jesus lives. <laughs> and because he lives, right, all of his promises are true and in effect in our life today. See, what we celebrate today is the fullness of the salvation that was provided for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Come on, this is, I, I understand Christmas, you get gifts and everybody's off of work and, you know, listen, you may not be getting gifts right now, but you're off of work. <laughs> right? Some of you are sitting around the house. Some of you are working double time, I understand. But some of you are sitting around the house. It's, it's holiday time. <laughs> right? You may not be getting gifts. But thank God that a day like this, we can celebrate the gift, the greatest gift ever, which is our salvation. So I like Christmas. But Easter, there's something about Easter. There's just something about this day that just solidifies my entire existence. Amen. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10 says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Right? I imagine it's a stone, so his feet probably didn't touch the ground. Some of you know how that works, right? You sit in a, in a chair and your feet don't touch the ground. I won't say anything. But, right? And he's just la, 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 sitting on the stone. Yeah, I, I, I moved it. I, I did that. Right? Go ahead. You try. Go ahead. You try. It's like Thor and the hammer, right? You go ahead. You, you try. You try and pick it up. <laughs> His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. They fell over on the ground. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Can I rephrase that? He's not here because he's not a liar and he's not a lunatic, but he is Lord. That's why he's not here because of what he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Come on. I'll prove it to you. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. 
Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Go tell everybody to come check me out. You ever had a, a, a very difficult task to accomplish? See, Jesus knew what was about to happen because we all know the story in the Garden of Gethsemane when he, he was so distressed that he sweat blood. Lord, if you can pass, if this cup can pass from me, if, I, if there's any other way that this could be, because I know how bad this is going to, I get it. I know this is going to be bad. And if there's any other, but if there's not any other way, then I'll do it. Then I'll do it. See, he had a very difficult task and he knew what was coming. You ever had a difficult task, something that you dreaded to do, but you could not get out of it? Raised your hand a little too early. You you started the task maybe with some complaining, but you had enough integrity to finish what you started. Once the task is finished, there's such a sense of accomplishment and relief that it is finished. Man, I'm so glad this is over. I'll never raise my hand again. I'll never volunteer again. I'll never let them volunteer me again. This was where Jesus was when his disciples found him on his way back to Galilee. And he responded, rejoice! I did it! We did it! It's done! I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm alive! I, re- I rose from the dead! I did it! I did it! Woohoo! <laughs> I did it! It is truly finished. He went from sweating blood before the crucifixion, to rejoicing in the resurrection. This is the greatest moment in history. But what does this mean for us today? It's great. Jesus rose from the dead, right? All this happened, resurrection. Oh, yeah, great, awesome. But what does that mean to me? Well, we get to rejoice in the fact that he did because it makes everything else before that true. But look at this. Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by glory of the Father, even so we, say that's me, me. also should walk in the newness of life. (laughs) For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, do you know this? Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I don't don't serve my sinful life anymore. (laughs) Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer... (laughs) it is no longer I who live. It's no longer the first Rick. I'm on second Rick. I'm probably on third, fourth, fifth Rick by now. But it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. (laughs) What does this death, burial, and resurrection mean for me today? Come on. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life or quicken to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. (laughs) Come on. The same power that caused Jesus to resurrect out of that tomb. Come on, let's take it even further. The same power that moved that 4,000-pound stone, the same power that caused the entire earth to shake and quake, right? The same power lives inside of me. And it restores my life. It restores my body. It quickens my mortal body. See, that same power that brought Jesus back from the dead lives inside of you. This is what Easter means for us today. Just like I said in the beginning, because of Jesus' resurrection, all of his sayings and doings become true. He is not a liar or a lunatic. He is Lord. On this Easter morning, accept all that he has for you by accepting him, the resurrected one. He is the one that forgave sin and forgives sin. He causes the blind to see. He causes the lame to walk. He causes uh, healing to come to all kinds of infirmities. He delivers the oppressed. He casts out demons. He feeds those that are in need with almost nothing. He creates out of nothing something. He raised the dead. He walked on water. He spoke to the winds and he calmed the seas. Come on. Accept his forgiveness this morning. This is not no liar or lunatic. This is Lord. And if he is Lord, he, didn't, listen, he could have called upon legions of angels when they were going to crucify him and said, wipe them all out. I'm going home to my daddy. Forget you all. Right? He could have he done anything he wanted. That He was one with God. He was God. But what did he do? He looked down upon the people that were crucifying him. That was me. Come on. That was me. Because of my sin and because of the life that I was going to live and because of the things that I was going to do, he hung on that cross. And I could still hear him whispering to me today, forgive him. Forgive him, Dad. Dad, they, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. You think it was just for those that were putting him on that cross and nailing him there? What was he saying? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive. He was, those words are ringing through life. Through hundreds and thousands of years are still ringing in the ears of those that believe that Jesus is Lord. We are forgiven. He caused the blind to see. Sometimes we walk through life with our physical vision and being able to physically see. But man, we are so spiritually blind, it's ridiculous. He causes us to see. He causes the lame to walk. There are areas in your life that are lame, that you're not able to to walk out, that you keep trying but you give up because you feel like, oh, this is not working for me. He, He heals all kinds of infirmities. He delivers the oppressed. Come on, that's a big one today. Depression, oppression. He casts out demons. Yes, demons still do exist. There is a spiritual realm out there. And we have the authority over those things. Because of what he did. He fed the 5,000 with the little boy's lunch. He raised the dead. He walked on water. Come on. Accept this, this man that was 
God. He was 100% man and 100% God. He was not a liar, but he was Lord. He is Lord. Accept the power to speak to the storms in your life. Sometimes we bow our heads to these storms and we say, oh, or we complain. Come on, are we not living a moment in life right now? There's a generation of people, including myself, right now that has never been through what we're going through, right? Has never seen anything like this ever, ever. And instead of rejoicing in the fact that Jesus is Lord and what he said is true, we complain that we're being persecuted. I'm going to take it a step further. We come up with these conspiracy theories. And we study what the media and people are saying. Listen, you want to study something? You want to study something? Study this. It's all true. It's all yes. It's all amen. There is no conspiracy theory in here. The only ones that spoke of a conspiracy theory had to shut their mouths because he came back to life. Right? He resurrected. So all the things they said, they called him a deceiver. Says, if this guy raises again, he's no longer going to be that deceiver that we said he was. We're going to look like idiots. And they did. And they did. Why? Because all this is now true. How do we know that, Pastor Rick? Because it's been thousands of years and it is still true. Come on, what religion can you take back to that moment in time of the day that he resurrected? What religion? other than the Christians and the Jews, and the Jews are still looking for the Messiah. When he sat in the chair in the temple and proclaimed himself already to be. We should be praying for Israel, as the word says. See, Easter not only solidifies all that Jesus said and did and made it true, but it was a demonstration of the power that he put in us. What was Jesus doing? Was he bragging? Was he walking around? Look at what I can do. I can heal the blind. Look at this guy laying here. Look, watch, watch, watch what I can do. Come on, get up, out, out, you know, pick up your bed and walk. Look, watch, watch what I can do. You see these demons over here that everybody's scared of? Go into those swine over there. Look, look, look what I can do. Check me out. That wasn't what Jesus was doing. Jesus was doing, look at what you're going to be able to do. Yes. Look at what you're going to be able to do. Look at the power that I'm going to give you. As soon as I leave here, I'm going to give it to you. And before we take communion this morning, I want to talk about that moment. What happened? What happened after he resurrected? He spent a quarantine of 40 days. See, the word quarantine actually means 40 days of separation. It took 40 days of Moses being up in the mountain with the Lord, and he came down, and his head, his face had shone so brightly that he had to cover. It took 40 days of raining and 40 nights of raining for Noah to save his family and to destroy the sin of the earth at that moment. 40 days. It took 40 days of Jesus in his glorified body. Now listen very carefully. I'm not going to read all the scriptures for this, but you have time. Some of you have time. You can, you can look all this up, and you can study this yourself. What happened during those 40 days? It says that he taught his disciples about the kingdom. Listen very carefully. He spent three years teaching his disciples about their earthly ministry. Three years. The practical things. The Sermon on the Mount. They ask you to go a mile, go two. You're the salt of the earth. 
right? The, uh, he talked about adultery. He talked about if, I mean, he went through the, don't worry about anything. Why are you worried about stuff? I'm going to take care of you. Don't I take care of the bird of the air? And Right? Don't I, I look at the, the lilies of the field. I clothe the fields with lilies. Why are you all worried about this? Right? The, the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches them about earthly things. And then he takes 40 days after his resurrection and before his ascension, he takes 40 days and teaches them about the kingdom. What was he preparing them for? He's letting them know, you're about to receive something. Something is about to come down from heaven. I have to leave. I have to go. So that when I go, we're going to send you what we're calling the helper. We're going to send, I believe that word is not even used correctly there because it's so much more than just the helper. It is the power of God to resurrect the dead. To resurrect Jesus from that. He says, listen, I got to go. But when I go, don't worry, wait. Just go up into this room and wait. Just hang out. Quarantine yourself. Separate yourselves from everyone around you. Go up into this room, close the door, lock it, and just wait. Just wait. I'm coming. The power of God is going to come down on you. We're sitting around, and we're complaining. And we're, no, 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 no. We should be seeking God. Come on. The power of God is present in your home right now. We should be seeking him and quarantining ourselves so that when we come out of our quarantine, when we come out of our 40 days, and that power of God has filled us up and our face is shining so bright that people are going to say, what happened to you? Not, you know, you need a haircut and you're, yeah, I know, I need a haircut and my beard is, is growing out. I get it. But not that. They're going to look at you and say, man, what? I just spent 40 days with God. I just spent a time of quarantine with God, the resurrected one, the Lord, not the liar, not the lunatic, but the Lord, right? Because that's who he is in my life. He is Lord. So I want to take this moment right before communion. And as I do this, uh, I'm going to ask those so we can go right into communion. There, there's a couple of people here, our worship team and, and a couple of our pastors and, and uh, uh, our media team is here. So we're going to ask them to go ahead and, and serve yourselves as I share this. Uh, I know that some of you have to stay back there while I do this, but uh, I, want to, I want to share something with you. And um, I asked the Lord this morning, I said, how am I going to end the word today? How am I going to present something to someone that they cannot deny it? That they can't turn away from it and they can't say that this isn't true. I think the word in itself today has proven that. I believe that what you've heard already has caused you to contemplate your own salvation. I'm trying not to use these biblical, you know, Christianese words. We use scripture and salvation and right? And we use these big words and, you know, King James uh, uh, English. (laughs) It's very simple. Jesus is Lord. And He loves you. And He cares about you. And He suffered the pain and the suffering and the, I mean, everything that He went through on the cross for you. There is nothing so horrible that you can do that Jesus and and your Father God can't forgive and can't restore. I believe that. 
But that's not enough. You have to believe that. So if you're listening to me today, and you're saying, you know what? I've heard an Easter message before. Yes, he resurrected. Yes, I've heard all these scriptures before. But it's never meant anything to me. Well, I pray right now that it means everything to you. That it means that today you're going to make a decision to follow Christ. See, this is not religion. This is not, you're not joining a church. You're not joining, uh, you know, a religion. You're having a relationship with God. Can you imagine that God, the Holy One, the Creator of heaven and earth, wants to have a relationship with you? But He is holy. And the only way that He could have that relationship with you is through His Son, Jesus, the last Lamb, the perfect Lamb that shed His blood for you to be able to approach Him. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to change. You know, I've heard this so many times. Oh, I have, I have some things I have to change before I go to church or before I go to God. That, that you have it backwards. You have it backwards. If you could see me 33 years ago on June 21st, 1987, if you could see me and who I was and what I looked like when I came before the Lord, you would have nodded your head and said, there's no way that God's going to accept that guy. There's no way that God is going to save that guy. God knows what that guy did. That guy's got some work to do before he comes. Who does he think he is? That's just it. I don't think I'm anybody, but I think he, God, Jesus, is everybody. He's everything to me. And that day, my life changed. Did Did everything go perfect afterwards? No. I still had some language that I used. I still had some things that I had to work on. But you know what? God helped me. And some things took longer than others. And I stand before you today because Jesus is Lord. I decided to believe that he was not a liar, that he was not a lunatic. I decided to believe that what he wrote in here is true and that he really did love me. So today I want to lead you in a prayer. If you're watching today, and if you're getting ready to take communion, you, you can't take it unless you're ready. The Bible says, unless you're worthy to take this. And what makes you worthy? Your lifestyle? No, Jesus makes you worthy. His forgiveness makes you worthy. So you want to become worthy today to take this bread and drink this cup that we could say He is Lord and remember Him for who He was and who He is and who He's going to continue to be? Let's pray. If that's you and you're sitting there going, yes, you're in your living room, you're with family, maybe you're with family members right now and you're sitting there on your couch and you're saying, that's me, just kind of reach over and grab that person's hand and say, that's me. And they're going to, nobody's going to point the finger at you. They're going to support you in this. They're going to be excited. In fact, it says that every time someone gives their life to God and makes this confession, and becomes a Christian. Every time that they give their life to the Lord, there's a celebration in heaven. They don't go up there and go, what? That guy? That girl? And they, they don't look at God and go, are you sure? No, they look at God and say, yes! Another one comes into the kingdom and they celebrate. And that celebration is going to go on until the day that we get there and then we get to celebrate with them. Amen. 
So let's pray. I want you to pray with me out loud, okay? If that's you and you've heard this message today and you're like, today's the day for me. I, I want to start a relationship with God. Repeat after me. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you, Lord, that it does not matter what I've done, where I've been, what I've seen, what's been done to me. Your power was given to me and lives inside of me as I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I will follow you from this day forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church. You will never be the same.